Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast. This is episode 156 for the 26th of Nissan in a leap year. And today we're going to be focusing on a quote from Perke Avos, chapter 3, Mishnah 17, which seems a little bit difficult to understand at first glance. It seems almost contradictory. The quote says, where there is no wisdom, there is no fear of God. And then it goes on to say, and it says, where there is no fear of God, there is no wisdom. So let's think about that for a second and try to wrap our brains around that. So the Mishnah is basically teaching us that in order to fear God, first it's teaching us that in order to fear God, we need the prerequisite of wisdom. When there's no wisdom, there is no fear of God. But then it's telling us the opposite. It's saying that in order to have wisdom, we must have fear of God. So the prerequisite of having wisdom is to have fear of God. So how does this make sense? It seems like kind of circular logic, like what is going on here exactly? So this is exactly the topic of today's episode of the Tanya for today. It is, we're going to be learning a big chunk of chapter 43 of Lukutea Marim. And in short, just to give you guys a spoiler and let you know what the answer to that is, is basically when we say this term fear, when there's no wisdom, there's no fear, when there's no fear, there's no wisdom, we're actually talking about two different types of fear. There's lower fear and then there's higher fear. And we've been talking about this quite a bit uh, as in the past several episodes about how there is there are different levels of fear, there are different levels of love. And we, we kind of touched on it a little bit about how like the basic level of, of fear is basically when we have this like fear of sin, like we just don't, we're scared almost of punishment, we're scared of going against the will of God. It's generally what we think of as fear. The higher level of fear is really more commonly understood to be like awe. It's more of a feeling of being ashamed, more of a feeling of being embarrassed and feeling, seeing, understanding the awesome, awesomeness of God. So there's a lot here and I think it might be best to just go straight into the text and kind of explain it as we go. So let's go straight into it. So here we go. So uh, for context, we've been talking a lot about this idea of fear of God, awe of God, all of that. And we left off last time at the end of chapter 42, talking about how as much as we do want to cultivate this higher intellectual kind of understanding of God to the best of our ability to try to get this sense of awe of God, there is something to be said about this lower level of fear as well. And it's not something that needs to be discarded. It's something that we actually do need to cultivate on a daily basis and to have with us habitually all the time within us. 
So this is what we would call lower level fear. So now we're going to understand that. So the altar Rebbe says, so about this lower level fear, which in Hebrew is called Yiratata, which is basically to keep God's commandments. So it's the basic level that is this fear is what motivates us to keep God's commandments in the aspect of sur merah, of abstaining from evil, ve'asetov, and doing good. It, it it is said in the Mishnah about this. It is said im en yira en chokma. So this was the first part. If there is no fear, there is no wisdom. So meaning that the prerequisite to having wisdom is to have fear. So meaning if you want to at all be a wise person to have any kind of like deeper understanding about the world, you need to have this lower level of fear. So we'll we'll try to understand what that means. So. Then the ultra goes on and he says that in this aspect of this lower level of fear, there's actually an aspect that is katnos, that's lesser, and there's an aspect of greatness, gatlos. What do we mean by the greatness? So the katnos, he doesn't go into it here, but my basic understanding of that is just like a basic, basic understand, basic feeling of fear, like you just don't want God to punish you and you don't want to go against the will of God. Like it's, it's just like very, very, very basic. And the aspect of the greatness of this still lower level of fear, it comes from meditation about the greatness of God and about how God fills all the worlds and from the earth to the heavens, which according to the Gemara in Masachet Chagiga, page 13a, this is a distance from the earth to the heavens is a distance of 500 years. And then between each one of the heavens, each one of the firmaments is another distance of 500 years. And then the altar Rabbi here cites the Gemara there in Chagiga, where it says, hayot kulan that the feet of the, the chayos, which is the lowest level of the angels, they transcend all the other levels meaning of like meaning to say it's basically pointing at the fact that each world is far 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 superior to the next as you go higher and higher through the world worlds the and and so the basic idea here is that the ultra is trying to really point at the vastness of god's embodiments throughout all the worlds and so too also in all the hishtalshalus of all the worlds so the hishtalshalus is like the chain reaction like the flow the evolution from world to world up until the highest of all worlds so basically when we, so basically this is what the altar is saying that a person could meditate upon and come to this sense of fear through this meditation, the more a person meditates on how God is present in all of these different things. However, the altar says this type of fear, even though it is coming from this deep intellectual place and it seems very, very profound, it's still considered an external type of fear, a yira chitsonit, and it's considered a lower type of fear. Why? So this seems at first glance a little strange. Like I, we thought that you know, this intellectual type of fear is a higher type of fear, but really uh, the altar is teaching us that no, it's not because it comes from, beca- because it, it, it is drawn down from the worlds, which are, what are the worlds? The worlds are the vestments of the king, God, who hides himself within them in order to vivify them and in order to keep them in existence. Just that these are the gate and opening for us to keep Torah and mitzvah. So meaning to say that 
just to explain that a little bit. So meaning to say that if a person is sitting and meditating upon the vastness of God and how God is present in all of creation and everywhere, the highest realms, the lowest realms, all of the heavens and everything, it might seem really, really deep, like he's really meditating upon God. But the ultra is telling us that no, he's still stuck at the level of the externalities, the vestments of God, which is the way that God vests himself in each of these worlds. Which is not to say that's a bad thing, but it still is considered to be on the lower level. So now if we want to reach this higher level of fear, which is this fear, this shame, this kind of inner fear or inner awe, however we want to translate it, which comes from the inner aspect of godliness that is found within the worlds about this. This is what that second part of the phrase is talking about when it says in and that if there is no wisdom, there is no fear. So we're going to try to understand what that means. That meaning that if we want to get this higher level of fear, we need a prerequisite of chokhmah. What is chokhmah? Chokhmah is in Hebrew, it's made up of two words. It's made up of the word koach and it's made up of the word ma. So it's kuf chet mem he, or koach ma. And if you flip around the letters a little bit, then it smells spells chokhmah. And so... What does that mean? Koach ma literally translates to mean the power of what? So this is indicated, and this is a topic that's talked a lot about in Chassidus, how there's something about Chochmah that involves the aspect of bittel, of nullification, of self-abnegation, that it's kind of not, not really here kind of thing. It doesn't really have a substantial existence of its own. And this is hinted at in a verse, which the altar of cites here from Eov, from Job, chapter 28, verse 12, which says, that literally translates to mean, and chokhmah, from where should you find it? So that's sort of the way that it's usually translated is like, where do we find wisdom? But more literally, the word ayin, which is translated usually to mean where in this verse, also means nothingness. So it's meaning to say, it's hinting at this idea that chokhmah comes from nothingness. There's, again, this very like ethereal quality about chokhmah that is not really, it doesn't really have an existence of its own in a full sense. So now to explain all of this, we're going to try to understand what wisdom is exactly. What do we mean by this thing that wisdom is nothingness? It comes from nothingness. What What's going on with that? So to explain this, the altar begins by uh, by citing the Gemara in Masachat Tamid, page 32a, where it says, Who is the Chacham? Who is the wise person? The one who sees that which is born. Meaning to say, the one who sees how something is born, like how something becomes some nothing from something, like recognizes the source of everything, like recognize the, the idea that things did not just occur on their own. They didn't just come about on their own, but actually everything here in the world comes about through the word of God and through the spirit of his mouth. As it says in Tehillim chapter 33, verse six, it says that and by the breath of his mouth, all of their hosts were created. So meaning to say that, and we're going to learn about this a lot more in Tanya later on, about how all everything came about through God's speech. So the basic idea is recognizing the fact that the world has a source to it, recognizing the fact that these things aren't just here. We're not just here randomly. It's not just chaos. It's the famous analogy that is often given for this is like if somebody were walking in the middle of the desert and they were to find a watch their immediate assumption would be that somebody was probably in that desert not too long ago, right? They wouldn't think, oh, the watch just naturally occurred there randomly. They would assume that the watch came from somewhere. And so too, 
the ultra rabbit is teaching us here that a wise person recognizes the fact that this entire universe, this entire world is that watch. This entire universe is, has had to have come from somewhere, needed to have a source. And that source is God. And that source is the, is, is God's mouth, God's words, God's speech. And thus when a person really recognizes this, recognizes the fact that the heavens and the earth and everything in it, all of creation all come from somewhere. They all come from God's breath and his mouth. They totally lose their existence entirely. And they become like not a nothingness. Like they become totally nullified the same way, like the light of the sun inside of the sun. So like if you were to shine a ray of the, of sunlight inside of the sun, that ray of sunlight would disappear because the sunlight only has its own existence when it's outside of the sun, when it's removed from the sun. So when we revert everything back to its original source, when we see how everything comes from this place in God, then it loses its, loses its independent existence and it becomes it, it, it becomes nullified. It becomes self-abnegated. And now the altar is going to make this really personal. And he's going to say that a person should not exempt himself from this idea. So we shouldn't think that, oh, wow, the whole world is so amazing and so great and it's all nullified in God and I'm here and I'm witnessing this. The altar is saying, you're part of this. You are part of this whole reality that is subsumed within God and nullified to God. So your body, your soul, your different parts of your soul, your nefesh, your ruach, your neshama are all nullified. Bumtsios is called like totally nullified in the word and in, in the 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 speech of God. And not only that, and we learned about this previously. So here this is really where we'll start to see if you've really been studying these episodes and listening to the podcast, we start to see that there's a buildup and you can go back and review a lot of it because a lot of it really is coming into play here is that we learned about how God's speech and God's thoughts are actually really unified with him. So this is what makes it different than human speech because in human speech, like even though our speech is very much connected to our brain and to our bodies and everything, once we speak things, then those that speech, those words are out there in the universe. They have kind of like this independent existence outside of us which is not the case with God. That doesn't happen. God's speech and God's thoughts are really always stay one and the same with him. And the ultra rabbi says that this is what is meant by a verse, which again is from Eov, from Job, chapter 28, verse 28, which says, Hen yirat hi that here we find that the fear of God is wisdom. So again, there's this connection between wisdom and fear. However, says the ultra rabbi, we cannot achieve this level of Yira and Chochmah other than by keeping Torah and mitzvahs through the lower level of fear, this external level of fear. So it's like we shouldn't think when we were talking originally about this lower level of fear, which is just more external and it's about like the world and all that stuff, we shouldn't dismiss it. We shouldn't just say like, oh yeah, that's just like superficial. That's not really learning about God. It's not really getting in, t in tune with the real fear of God. That level of the lower level of fear is actually a prerequisite to get to this higher level of fear. And this is why it says in en yira and chokhmah that without fear there is no wisdom. So it's sort of like this, like progression. It's like if you wanted to look at it like a chart. I don't know if anybody's taking notes on this. I, I think it might be useful because there is a lot of information here. Is that it's sort of like we start with lower level of fear. We start with yira tata, the lower level of fear, and that lower level of fear 
is like that baseline, like having a sense of humility, having a sense of like recognition that there is a creator in this world. There is something going on. That lower level of fear is what gives a person wisdom. That makes a person somebody wise. Like basically a wise person is somebody who sees what's going on, who sees behind the scenes, you know, like in like the stock market or something like that. A wise person isn't the person that's going to be buying stocks when they're high. A wise person is the one who's going to be buying stocks when they're low because they see what's going on. They understand the internal theory of everything. They see where things are going. So again, so in order to achieve a basic level of wisdom, in order to be considered a wise person, you need to have that baseline level of fear. So it goes fear, lower level of fear, then comes the wisdom. Then through that wisdom, then you cultivate that wisdom. Like once you have developed that wisdom, now you're a wise person, you can really cultivate that wisdom. And that wisdom can really help you to become, have more fear, to have this even higher level of fear. This level of fear where you actually become even more than humble, you, you start to recognize the fact that you don't really have your own existence of your own and nothing in the world has that existence of its own. So that will lead you to that higher level of fear. So again, it's lower fear, wisdom, more cultivated wisdom to higher level fear. That's the progression. And now the Altarba is going to move on to a new topic, but it is related, obviously, which is about love. So we know we've been talking a lot about fear, a lot about awe and all of that. There's also love, which is the other wing that we've discussed before. And so, so too, just like there are two levels of fear, there are also two levels of love. So what are the two levels of love? So the two levels that the ultra calls them here is there's avagaba, which is translated to mean like a great love. And then there's avat olam, which translates to mean a world love. And the ultra is going to explain what these two terms mean and two levels mean. So the first one, the avagaba, this, the great love, this is a type of love of pleasures, which is like likened to a flame that rises on its own. And it comes from above in a way of a gift because it's totally, because a person is, has achieved this level of total completion on their level of fear. And so here, this is very interesting, um, where the ultra rabbi cites the Gemara in Kiddushin, page 2b, where it says, that the way of man is to chase after a woman. So this could be a really interesting topic to explore. I'd love to do a full podcast episode about this. Maybe in a non-leap year, we will, because uh, because it's going to be really focused on this section. But basically, what does that mean? That the the how and how is this related to what we're learning about with love and fear and everything? That the way of a man is to chase after a woman. It's related to what we just learned that the when a person achieves the highest level of fear, then this love, this this high form of love, comes about on it in its own right. So why? So. Okay, so try to understand this. So uh, ava, love, is masculine. It's called man and it's masculine. It's, it's, uh, it's related to the right side, capitalistically speaking. So that is, uh, that's, that's the masculine side. So uh, the ultra right here cites Tehillim, chapter 98.3, where it says, Zachal Chasto, which kind of points to that idea that, that that literally means he has remembered his loving kindness. So Zachal means remembered his loving kindness. However, there's a little play on words here. This is where translations can get tricky because the play on words is that Zachal also means masculine. So it's like there's a relationship between masculine and chasad, kindness, giving, 
love. That doesn't mean, by the way, that women can't be loving and giving too, but it's just the masculine energy is this more outward type of energy versus the woman's energy is she's called a Yirat Hashem. She's the one who fears God. So the woman is the left side. We see this actually in many, many cultures. They've tapped into this idea that the right side is, and the flowing and the the giving side is the masculine side and the more restrained hidden side is the woman's side. So that's the side of Yira. And so what this is teaching us here is that basically since the way of man, like just in a very superficial way is to chase after a woman. So if we think about man is love, woman is fear. So that means when the woman has complete, has, has achieved completion, when the fear has achieved completion, when a person gets to the level of total and complete fear of God, then the man follows. So it's like, the man chases after the woman. If a woman is ready, then the man will chase after her. So if, if, if a person has achieved this highest level of Yura, then the man will chase after her. And so then the ultra epic goes on that by saying that if we do not have this prerequisite of fear, we cannot get to this level of Avaraba because this level of Avaraba is in an aspect of Atsilis. Atsilis, if you remember, is that highest of all worlds where there is nothing separate from God. So it's it's like a very, very high level and it can only be achieved through this level of, of Yura, of the highest Yura, which was also related to this self-abnegation. So that's that's the highest level of love. But then we have this lower level of love, which is called avat olam, which literally translates to mean like love of the world, basically. What does that mean? This comes through understanding and meditating upon the greatness of God who fills all the worlds and surrounds all the worlds and see and who understands that nothing exists apart from him. So it's it's similar to this meditation that we've been talking about before and and the person really understands again this something that we've been talking about previously how just like when a person has the capacity to speak and we have our speech and we want to say something we want to talk say something out loud but before we actually say this speech out loud before we utter what we're going to say then that speech is totally united and nullified in our thoughts in our minds and it has no existence of its own and this is the same reality of all of existence in terms of god and its level of nullification to god so through this meditation and contemplation, this is going to lead to an overflowing and a spreading out of this love, this lower level of love, which is a great thing anyway. So it's, it's the avat olam that is found within the soul and it will lose its garments and it will become revealed, meaning to say that it won't be vested in anything else. So meaning to say that like a person won't derive any kind of pleasure from anything physical or spiritual other than just loving God. And they won't yearn for anything in this world other than God, just God. All they'll want is just God, the source of their lives, because they'll have this recognition that everything is nullified to him, utterly nullified. So it's like, why should we want anything except for God? And thus, there's nothing that we can't compare the two things. We can't compare any type of pleasure for anything in the world to the pleasure that we derive from God, because God is the source of the pleasure. God is the source of where all these things come from and what they really are all in essence. And then the ultra brings a citation to kind of add to this. This is from Tehillim chapter 73, verse 25 and 26, where it says, And then it goes on to say, so it means, who have I in heaven? There's nothing upon earth that I desire with you. My flesh and my heart yearn for you, rock of my heart. So basically it's like alluding to this idea again of like really this person who just all they want is 
is love is God. They don't want anything else. And, and then the ultra rabbit concludes here and he says, such a person whose attribute of love is not vested at all in anything physical or anything spiritual, they can actually now um, have their soul be lighted up, like have their light soul be lighted up like burning coals and an intense fire and a flame that rises up to the heavens through this type of meditation that we've been talking about, as will be explained further at length. So again, to conclude, so basically we've talked about two different types of love of God and how we attain these two different types of love of God. The first level of love is something that is just given as a present to somebody who achieved the completion of their fear of God. So it's sort of like a, a the result of that, and it just comes about like a person achieves the completion of fear of God, of this awe of God, and then the natural occurring, the the gift that is given to them from heaven because of that is this higher, this level of love of God, this love of, it's called avaraba. And then there's another type of love of God that we can actually work on, which is not just a gift. And it's something that we can just achieve more through work and through our effort. And that's through meditation and contemplation upon God's greatness and upon how nullified everything is in relation to him and in relation to their source. So I know that was a lot, um, but we will continue along these lines tomorrow when we conclude this chapter and I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.